You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello, hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing this fine week, chaps? Not too bad. There's been some exciting news, hasn't there? I, I, I'm actually surprised Matt's on this show. I thought he might be, you know, recovering um, somewhere from from the, the the groundbreaking news. I, I can't believe it. Um, can you guys believe it, Andy J? Oh yeah. I'm trying to go- think of a pun, but I'm not that smart. Well, we'll be talking about them shortly um <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll all be able to bask in the the amazing news that was announced this week um there is other stuff that we need to talk about though um we are going to be talking about our top three favorite horace heresy models this may have something to do with the recent revelation that uh we've got a new edition of the horace heresy coming out we've all been bitten by this bug i'm pretty sure it's going to make a pretty big appearance within our hobby updates, which is going to be uh, in the next few moments. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're also going to be reading out our community top three picks. Matt, I've had a quick look. It looks like we've had quite a few responses. There has been tons of responses. Yeah, it's been, it's been a popular one today. So we will try and read out as many as we can um, towards the end of the show. Uh, we also have some other news as well uh, in the news segment. But before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been up to in the hobby over the last seven days. So I'm going to kick us off this week. I have been painting redacted. Okay, I can't talk about that. <laughs> um, so um, I have been painting something. I can't tell you what I've been painting, but I've been painting something. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, however, also done a little bit of painting on my Storm Surge. At the moment, I'm kind of picking him up, doing a bit, putting him down, doing something else, picking him up, painting a bit, putting him down. So he's a bit of a, um, a slow project at the moment, but I'm really happy with how he's looking. He's, he's a big model. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a massive model. And... Um, <laughs> You know, I'm really enjoy- like every time I pick him up, I enjoy painting him. He's not, I don't feel like he's not a sure. fun. None of the tail stuff that I painted, apart from the Fire Warriors, um, I, I, you know, I felt it is a chore. It's an absolute joy. Um, so, um, I'm slowly ticking away. I've got till June to really finish my first thousand points of uh, of tail. Um, there's a few other things coming up in the future which are probably going to divert my attention. So I don't want to rush them. Uh, they'll, be, they'll be done in time for when we um, team up Jay uh, in yeah. June. Um, so really, really looking forward to that. Um, I've also been feeling a bit of the Age of Sigmar bug this week because speaking of tournaments coming before June, we have a team tournament to attend. Um, team Sprues and Brews will be representing. Um, so I've decided to build and spray, and I'll get painted towards the weekend, um, Baller and Burke, the limited edition Skaven Slayer Oruk models, um, which I'll tell you what, when I was building that kit, it's such a nice kit to build. Um, it, I've um, double-checked the uh, the events team. Uh, they got back to me super quickly. I can take him as either a mega boss or I can take him as a brute boss um, for this particular tournament. So, Because his base is a weird one. It's like bigger than a brute base, but smaller than a mega boss base. So he's kind of sitting in the middle there. But I've been clear to use him as either. Um, so I'll probably use him as a brute boss. Um, and I also have a, another unit of brutes coming because... Um, 
changes to the Art of Warclans book means that the list that I really want to take, I need another box of Brutes um, because Gorgrunters wouldn't be um, compulsory troops within um, the Choppers. So uh, I decided to get another Brutes. And I think I'm going to build these slightly differently. I think I'm going to build them with the, the Gore Hackers because they're um, much improved in the... I say new book. It's been out for a little while now, but the Art of Warclans book. So um, looking forward to them coming tomorrow and awesome. apart from that i'm absolutely speeding through the solar war again so i'm going to be moving on to i think it's the <coughs> first wall the last wall last wall isn't it could be first wall I thought it was last wall something wall the wall a numbered wall um in uh, it, uh pretty soon um and then after that i'm, I'm in an uncharted territory because i never got past book two so um, how, are you, how are you finding it dave rereading it i am enjoying it more now like I mean, I have done a bit more research before I read The Solar Wars second time, um, but I just seem to be enjoying it a lot more. And I'm, you know, it, obviously I'm, I'm I'm getting really into the hype now for um, for what's coming for the heresy. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, to finishing that and moving on to the next one and then start getting into the, 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 the you know, the later on in the series. So, yeah, that's all very cool. Uh, who shall we move on to next? Andy, what have you been up to for Hobby this week? I knew you were picking me as soon as you said, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so uh, I suppose it's been a bit of a slow week, but it's not been. So I've been building um, a Knight Desecrator for the Chaos Knights um, for the doubles event in June. And I've built it all. I've built it in sub-assembly, so the arms are off. The shoulder pads are off um, and there's a few like knee pads and stuff um, off. And uh, I haven't glued the legs to the base and, you know, that sort of stuff. So I'm going to do it in stages and prime all the individual bits, then sort of like work on painting the individual bits separately. Um, it's just waiting for some t- weather and some time um, when I can get some uh, the opportunity to actually, you know, give it a spray and give it a prime. Um, Apart from that, I've not really done much else, to be honest with you. It's been been a relatively quiet week. Um, I've been sort of thinking about events coming up. Um, you mentioned we've got the, the team tournament. Um, so I'm going to be taking my Gargants to that, which I don't need to paint anything for. But two days after the team tournament, I will put the Hobby Rooms event up in Element Games called Annihilation, Ooh, nice. I think it is. Um and I'm very tempted to try and get Kragnos painted for that event. Um, so, yeah, I've been sort of like thinking about colour schemes because Kragnos is kind of one of those nice models where I think there's multiple colour schemes. It sounds silly, right? Because like you can paint your models however you want. But for me, I, I usually paint very similar to like Games Workshop colour schemes. But Kragnos is one of those that I feel like I can sort of push the ball out and try different colour schemes. So I've been looking at Kragnos and stuff. Um and then yeah, under my painting desk right now is a box of Mark III Tactical Marines. So I feel like I'm gonna be painting up uh, some stuff for the Horus Heresy, which I think I'm gonna go for Iron Warriors. So um Ooh. yeah. Try uh, I'll do a tester model, see how I feel and uh yeah, see uh <laughs> I've got a I've got a sneaky suspicion it might snowball into a much larger <laughs> project. 
but yeah, in short, I've built and built a Chaos Knight. There you go. That's cool. If you th- if you thought on schemes, I think Warcomp put an article up a couple of days ago with some of the new um, Knight households. Any idea on how you're going to paint it yet? So, I quite like the idea of going for uh, not like a free blade sort of mentality, but that sort of approach to it where I'm painting up knights for different legions. So I think the first one will probably be like a, a kind of like a black legion um, one where I've got like gold trim on the armor panels, but then the actual armor panel itself is is black. Oh, that's um, a cool idea. And then what use use whichever household rules you feel fit your army. Yeah. I've been tied to a specific one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm looking at some of the war dogs. Um, you know, obviously Adepticon, they showed off the like close combat war dog. And I feel like painting that in like um, red and gold. So it's a <laughs> bit like uh, world eaters, you know, um, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go for, for black and gold for the first one. Nice. That's a cool idea. Excellent. Uh, Jay, what have you been up to in Abbey this week? Um, it's all been about the heresy for me this week. Um, so I've done a ton of building um, for Imperial. So the first time I'm going to build, so I've got a small Blood Angels force going, um, but I've decided to take the Imperial Fists to 3,000 points first. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and that's because we're myself and Matt are going to the Horus Heresy Weekender Tournament in July, I want to say, at, at yeah, Warhammer World. Um, and it's a 3,000 point um tournament so i need 3000 point army uh, so i decided to, to, to take the imperial fists um so this week i have uh, i had like a collection of imperial fists in boxes that i hadn't built yet um, and i've ordered a bit from forge world as well um and i've been putting it all together so i built 10 templar brethren which are like the sort of proto black templars um for the imperial fist it's like a close combat unit uh, i have built um 10 um breaches so breaches are like tactical marines but they have big boarding shields um so the army i've got in my head that i'm sort of creating is all going to be armed with these shields like you know defending the walls and uh, they're very defensive legion the imperial fists are so that's the sort of theme i'm going for um i've also built sigismund um and uh fafnir ran who was the new uh, black library celebrations model that came out really really cool model um and I've got a bunch of tanks as well down here next to me, which I've not built yet, but I've started cleaning up some land speed, javelin land speeders, which are like the um, her- heresy sort of more rounded sort of um, sleek looking um, land speeders from the 40k equivalent. Mm. Um, and then I've been um, um, painting up Imperial Fists. So on my desk in front of me, I've got 10 breaches, five terminators, a contemptor dreadnought and 10 phalanx warders, which are like the um, they have like kite shields and axes, really cool Imperial Fist unit. Um, and I bought some Colorforge Yellow Spray, which is a really, really good match for Avalon Sunset, the Games Workshop Yellow Paint. So I've done that as my base for all of me Imperial Fist. And then I've been um, using a mixture of contrast paints to shade, um, highlighting, and then glazes over the top. Um, and you can go on Twitter and you can see some of how they've turned out the Imperial Fist. I'm making good progress on the Breacher Squad. So currently, as we record in the podcast here, I'm just applying some of the bolt gun metal to certain like pipes and, and joints and things like that on the breach squad um I, I should have these done i think um 
over the next couple of days. Um, I've got some transfers on the way so that I can put them on and then do all of the weathering because I want my um, army to look a bit more battered than than I would normally paint a 40k army. My ultramarines don't have a speck of dirt on them. These guys are going to be, you know, have a bit more on them, I think, a, a few scars and, 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 and chips of paint and things like that over their armour. Um, but I'm really enjoying painting them up. Um, so, yeah, so that's, so that's what's been keeping me busy this week. I going to say nice. you're doing a cracking job on them. Like, like Rogal Dawn fortifying the heart of humanity, you've, you've made amazing progress on them. Well, I mean, I, I have I, 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 I figured out. So they do look good altogether. They're not the neatest Marines I've ever painted, but I think altogether the end result's quite nice. And the weathering that I'm applying, so I've got some typhus corrosion and some metal that I'm sort of dabbing. It sort of hides a lot of the mistakes you make as well. So actually, I think you can sort of like get through quite a lot of them quite quickly. And the end result still looks very, very nice. Um and obviously, 3,000 points, there's quite a lot of Marines to paint, and we've got a deadline now, July, so I can't be getting hung up on, you know, perfect details on every single model. Uh, so my plan is, is is to get them looking as best I can in a sort of as timely as possible um, and spend, obviously, a lot more time on the characters, so like Sigismund, I've got Dawn, the Primarch, to paint. Um, my tanks and things are going to look a bit more special than the regular Grunt infantry. But, you know, I've got like 40 or 50 of these tactical Marines that are going to be in the army, uh, and if I if I spend hours on each one, they're not going to be done by by July. And you you tend to get a bit burnt out on projects that size. Certainly, yeah. my Luminous Realm Lords took me a long time to paint, and and on those ones, I did sort of spend a lot of time on each model. Uh, and it's a lot of a lot of effort, but um, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping the end result is still going to look very very good. Well, um, as the as as the army comes together, we should get some uh, games of Heresy on the go. Some of my sons of Horus, who were almost at a thousand points, I think this time last year. I'd, I'd been battering through the Sons of Horus, so I've got a squad of tactical marines, some Terminators, and a couple of Predators, and then I've got like 3,000 points. So, uh, yeah, ready to tear down the walls of the Imperial Palace, I'll <laughs> be. Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, this is it. And, like, you know, we've got the um, the Horus Heresy open day at the beginning of May, where hopefully we're going to learn a lot more about the new edition, the rules, and things like that. I think, actually, you can sort of play a game there, can you? Or you, you can sort of oh, see we'll, some of the rules. Yeah, there, yeah. We'll, we'll learn some in the news, Jay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right. So. So. Yeah. So that's me. So it's it's all heresy at the moment. Um, you know, like Andy said, we've got a lot of tournaments coming up. We've got the Age Sigma tournament coming up. I've got an army painted for that. Um, we've got the 40k doubles army um tournament coming up at the end of June. Is it, Dave? Um, so yeah. I'm hoping by that point to have the Imperial Fist ready so that I can get back onto the Eldar and finish the thousand points of Eldar off. Um, but yeah, at the moment the focus is going to be on these Imperial Fists because we've got that deadline in July to hit and you know the army has to be ready for then so I've, i think i've got enough time to, to get it finished so that's uh that's jay's hobby progress that leaves you matt what have you been up to well i've, I've been a bit busy the last uh, week or so so i have painted up arena of shades that games which are very kindly sent for us to review and oh boy there's some gorgeous models in that box for both factions i mean i've got I've got a Daughters of Cain Force. I've got a Night Haunt Force. And I've not really painted any Night Haunt since second edition came out. I was really excited about them. But obviously since since that book came out, there's been what? One model for the Night Haunt in the like three years since then. So it was nice to paint up some different Night Haunt. And that script of Mortis is such a cool kit. It's a bit tricky to do the script on the book. That took a bit of time. If you can do that in sub-assemblies, I'd recommend it because um yeah, there may have been some curse words while I was trying to paint those pages. But I'm really happy with how it turned out. I just used um, Peachy's Knight of Shrouds guide 
for painting all the ghosty bits. Um, so then the Craven Throne Guard are cool, across booze, painted up the High Gladiatrix. She's really cool, and she makes kind of witch elves and sisters of slaughter really, really strong as well. So I suspect we'll be seeing lots of uh, elf infantry rather than snakes in the near future. Uh, and yeah, other than that, guess what, guys? I finished the Bliss Barb Archers. Finally. It's only taken months and months and months, but um, I we were we were on yesterday briefly, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to stay up. I'm just going to power ahead, do an hour or so, getting all the highlights done, baste them up, put some tufts on today, and yeah, they're done. So that's a weight off my shoulders, because that's like a third of my army in model terms. Hmm. Because uh, they've got 11 models in the unit, which is really weird as well, with the little freakish gimp guy with the thing that he's carrying. 11 but, yeah, models? That is weird. <laughs> it is weird, yeah. Ten, 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 ten Bliss Bob Archers and a little gimp with a um, kind of a uh, kind of sensor. I, I don't know what his job is. He's just a little weirdo. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I've done some more work on Zigvald as well. So the gold's almost done. Really happy with how the gold's looking. And then it's the fun job of doing the cape, which I've left in like three sub-assemblies. And one side's <laughs> purpley pink, the other side's white. So, yeah, just the normal shading and highlighting process for that. That will take a while. And then Zigvald will be done, leaving me just Glutos and the Slick Blade Seekers to paint ready for the event. So that feels a lot more manageable now, which is cool. So, yeah. Excellent. Good going. The, the only thing that disappoints me is uh, you had no mention of the Horus Heresy in your update there, uh, Matt. Well, um, I, 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 I spent a lot of time last year painting up the Sons of Horus, so they've been they've been ready and waiting, prepared to, to take on the, yeah. the walls. Yeah, so I'd like to say, I've got a couple of units I need to paint him, but I'd paint up 2,000 because that was the battle plan last year. Um, obviously, we kind of expected the game to drop last year as well, so the mm. end, I've got a few bits to finish. There'll be, I've got a few things on my to-do list. Obviously, I need to do my Imperial Knights for the doubles event as well. So they'll probably be, I'm off next week, so we'll be painting some lights next week. That'll be exciting. And then, yeah, um, Heresy then, like like we said, we'll talk about it in the news, but we've got the event coming up. So the uh, problem with Heresy is that I've got I've got an Empress Children army. I, I want to add two and get up to 3,000 points, but I'd need to paint a bit more to get them done. I've got 3,000 points worth of models for the Sons of Horus, so a few bits to finish on them. But I'd also really like to do a Demons of the Ruin Storm force mm-hmm. uh if cabanda comes out in enough time for me to get him done for the event i could take demons because mm. i would drop everything i'm working on to paint that big beautiful bloodthirster yeah it's such a an amazing model i have a feeling even though he's not out yet he might appear maybe not in our top threes but he could appear in some community top threes um yeah, yeah but i mean he's an amazing model absolutely superb or you could take some Titans. <laughs> the choices are endless, almost. Uh, that brings to a close this introduction to this week's show. We have plenty to get through, so we're going to take a pause and we'll be right back. As always, this is the part of the show where I asked Matt what's been going on in the world of Warhammer News. Well, there's been some exciting stuff uh, on the horizon this week and stuff that I can't wait to talk about. But first of all, we'll talk about the pre-orders. So first of all, Dave, I know you're super excited for this one to drop. We have got Codex Tyranids clocking in at £32.50. Yep, brand new 
ninth edition codex for those gribbly alien monstrosities. This is accompanied by data cards for £17 and dice for £24. Um, I take it you're a little bit excited about this new codex, Dave. I am very excited about this new codex. Yeah, it's been it's been a very long time. I don't think I've played Tyranids since me and Jay had that encounter, Tau versus Tyranids, and basically my army died in Overwatch. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've played them since. So um, I haven't yet enjoyed the the, the fantastic Crusher Stampede. Uh, I haven't really caught on with that, but. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because the Tyranids are kind of spread out quite a, across quite a few books at the moment. Be nice to get all their rules um, for ninth edition in a new book, um, and all these previews on Warcom um, just sound ace, like what they're doing with the army, all the high yeah. adaptations and stuff they were talking about today. So very looking, very much looking forward to reading that. Yeah, well, alongside this, sadly, we've not got new units, but we have a new unit, the Parasite of Mortrex. So this is an old unit that was back in oh, a previous edition of the uh, the, the game. And um, yeah, a big gribbly space alien that plants rippers in your belly that then burst out and cause a horrific mess. Think aliens with wings. Uh, yeah, it looks a really cool model as well. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like in the flesh. And that is not it. There's also a combat patrol on the way. Um, 90 pounds contains 25 powers worth of models, so pretty much a crusade force in a box. There's a hive tyrant in there. There's some tyranid warriors in there, and then all of the termagants in the world. <laughs> now, personally, I think it's a little bit termagant heavy. I'd rather some hormigons or something, but it's a pretty good starter box. Yeah, well, they've they've made some change. Well, I mean, both um, Termagants and Hormigants have have had changes, but the the weapons, um, in particular, from what I've seen so far for the Termagants, are much improved. So, if you wanted a, a bit of a shooty horde tuned army, they'll be they'll be very good. Um, but but yeah, I think I'm I'm the same as you, Matt. I'm, I would have preferred Hormigants, I think. Yeah. Well, if if you prefer space marines and in particular classic space marines there is a treat in for you this week jay i know you would love a brand new model for dante lord regent of the imperium nihilus is that his full title something like that <laughs> but he has got not a brand new model but the original classic model up for made to order and you know what it's an oldie but a goodie is it is that is it dante is that tycho or is it tycho one of the two I think it's Tycho. Yeah, Tycho. He's obviously dead in the current setting. He was the one. I can't remember. I think he was fighting orcs, and he he was a he was a bit like Fulgrim and Emperor's Children. He used to like the way he looked, and some orc mauled him. So he now he wears this like death mask over half of his face. Um, and he had a really really cool dead man's hand weapon. It was just it was just called the dead man's hand, and it wasn't quite clear whether it was a power fist or or what it was. It was very good. Um. But yeah, this is a classic model, isn't it? So, I mean, I think he's actually um, he's uh, he's almost as tall as uh, the new uh, Leagues of Votan uh, warrior. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he's on a he's on a twenty twenty five mil base. It is green. <laughs> it is this 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 model is just nostalgia in a picture for me because I've mm. looked at this picture so many times in in the second edition forty k rulebook and thought it was beautiful. And looking back at it now. Maybe it's a little less beautiful than it maybe was back in the day, but it's still a cool model. Is it painted non-metallic metal? Yeah, painted non-metallic using yellows and oranges. You know, that's (laughs) 
that's some 1990s era gold right there. So, yep, there are a load of different um, old school Marines available or made to order that, you know what? They they might look quite nice snuck into a Horus Heresy force with a model. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well. Yeah, definitely. So, so, yeah, meanwhile, in the Age of Sigmar, war has come to Thondia. So obviously we're in the era of the beast and we've 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 got this new kind of um season mechanic where the general's handbook was set in the realm of beasts. But also we've got a brand new kind of like supplement, uh, part lore, part narrative, part fun stuff, uh season of war thunder. So I suspect this is something they might do in various realms and expand on the narrative and, and fun stuff to do. We don't know much details about it quite yet. Um but we do know that there's rules for summoning a Kronspine incarnate, which is a horrific creature created from the realm itself. So excited to see the rules for that and how it works. Now, alongside the book, there is the Thundian Strongpoint, which is a battlefield in the box, essentially. You get a playing surface suitable for a thousand point games at max. Kind of You're talking uh, Path to Glory kind of games. And we have played some games of that, of that size. And it is actually a really fun size game of age of sigma we did a few on the stream last year you also get a load of scenery some of the newer pieces that were released alongside dominion but a couple of brand new scenery pieces like a massive magma droth skeleton which must be about i don't know 12 inches long it's a big old piece um a kind of floating island that's been chained to some stairs with a bit of a waterfall going on reminds me of the lumineth one Again, looks really, really cool. And you also get the Kron Spine Incarnate itself in the box, which is an amazing looking model. But unfortunately, it is currently available just in this box. So it's got a price tag of £135, which I think is a little bit on the pricey side. It is, like I say, it is a battlefield on the box. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know, what do you guys think of the price? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I. I look at it and I think if it was probably about 90 quid, I'd look at that and think, yeah, OK. But considering I'm doing like Chaos Knights recently, 135 quid on scenery and the endless well, incarnate model is, uh, yeah, it's quite pricey. Yeah, it's I mean, hopefully they do release this separately. And I do like me a big box of scenery, but with all the goodies coming out at the minute, I just can't justify buying it at the minute, which is a shame because I'd, I'd, I'd love this model in the collection. So hopefully, hopefully we see that separately soon. The Season of War Thunder book is £32.50. so kind of like standard codex price. And they've also got a supplemental set of boards as well that you can combine with that set to make a full kind of 2,000 points board. So I, I do like the GW boards they put out. I think they're quite good. I'm surprised they haven't done more um, kind of mouse mat, what, neoprene mats because I think they'd be more popular than the card ones, but obviously these are probably a bit easier to stock in a store. And then finally, in the pre-orders, we've got a load of Lord of the Rings uh, made-to-orders based on various sets from 20 years ago when this game came out. So I know a few people around this virtual table right now would be interested in the original Metal Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I think I bought this when I was about 12. Um, I, I do look at it and think it, it it looks amazing. Like it's got that proper nostalgia factor mm. for me. But if it's more than sort of like 40, 45 pound, I'm kind of like, like, don't get me wrong. I've got the um, the fellowship, current plastic fellowship 
So I'm kind of looking at think this would be one of those that I'd like buy for my birthday or something along those lines, just as like a, a special treat. So I think this is really cool. But they're doing the um an ambusher Ammon hen one. They are ambusher Ammon hen. Now this is oh, that I wow. always wanted. You've got the 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 um the uh, Urukai carrying Merry and Pippin. You've got Boromir filled with arrows. You've got oh. a really cool alert who's like, huh, I just shot you. Yeah, really, really cool set. I I am tempted to order this one. Also available is the attack at Weathertop with the the five ring wraiths and and um, Aragorn with the flaming torch. Um, there's the Escape from Orthanc set with uh, Gwahir the Eagle and uh, Saruman and Gandalf and the Palantir. There's also now this one interests me, the Battle at Kazakh Doom. Now originally this was a metal Balrog. Now, I suspect this set is the plastic Balrog, which would be a shame. I think the, the metal Balrog is a bit of a, a, a collector's item now. Unfortunately, it was so heavy, they they had to first re-release it and give it plastic wings to stop it from collapsing on itself. And then later on, they released it as a fully plastic kit. So I suspect you get the plastic Balrog and the metal Gandalf from that set. If it is indeed the metal Balrog, though, that's quite interesting from a... Huh, that's a cool thing, point of view. So yeah, I might I might order a few of these. It's particular ambush at Emon Hen, because that's one of the few of these sets I never bought originally. So yeah, exciting times. Now, that is pretty exciting, but not as exciting as the stuff we've had in the news this week. Now, as uh, Jay alluded to earlier in the uh, the podcast, there is a Horus Heresy event at Warhammer World, the 23rd and 24th of July. It is sold out. So if you listen to this now... Yeah, so it's already sold out. Sorry, guys. Often tickets will go up on sale again. So just keep an eye on Eventbrite and um, the Warhammer events team will often put any tweets out if there's any tickets going. Uh, yeah. What's interesting about this is currently the event pack seems to suggest it uses the current edition of the game. Now, obviously, Games Workshop haven't announced when the new edition is out. So I suspect if the new edition is out, they may amend that event pack to say, yeah, it's using the new edition. We'll see in the next few months, I guess. They don't want to show all their hands uh, this early. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Me and Jay, we're going. We've got a traitor ticket and a loyalist ticket. <laughs> so I hope at some point during the weekend, we face off across the scorched remains of terror and uh, yeah. the war master takes down Dawn, as should happen. Um, but that's not the only Horus Heresy excitement we've got going on, because on the 7th of May, there is an open day at Warhammer World celebrating the brand new edition of the Horus Heresy. And I believe this will be the first time that everybody sees what is in that new set and all the new releases. Uh, it was a bargain, £5 a ticket. The ticket sold out in seconds. So I do wonder if they'll put on a second sitting, as it were, on the Sunday. Uh, for yeah. People who've missed out. That That is a possibility. We don't know any details. I'd like to see that happen. Um, yeah, it was a really cool one. They've got some of the big um, Warhammer kind of uh, uh content creators so painters uh battle report runners all those kind of things are coming down to the event they've been invited by the team that's cool um they're doing a painting competition where you can take two models and try and get a legends of paint pin i will certainly be bringing some stuff down uh, they're going to have demos focused on different mechanics of the game so this is i think this is the kind of stuff they'd have liked to have done with both indomitus or dominion but obviously covid didn't mean that could happen no. And I do think that Warhammer World is the ideal place for this kind of thing, rather than having to pay 
you know, 30, 40 quid to an external event. They can just hold hold it within Warhammer World. There'll be lots of exciting people. You never know. They might have some early stuff. Um, I don't think this will probably be pre-order day. I think it'll be a little bit before it. But you never know. There might be some limited edition goodies that you can get your hands on as well. So, yeah, it looks uh, it looks pretty exciting. I'm I'm certainly looking forward to going to this one. And we're all going, aren't we, guys? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we were lucky enough to be able to snap some up and I'm really looking forward to going. Yeah, cannot wait. Uh, but that's not all the news. It's not even all the news, guys. We have learned today that the next uh, Warzone Knackman book is on the way and it is called Rift War. This continues from the uh, the Vigilist book that came out recently. And uh, Harkon World Claimer has been sent to seize the Knackman gauntlet. That cannot be a good sign. He tends to get the job done for, for Abaddon. Um, and it looks like we've got a new Space Marine chapter in the book that um, are defending the Knackman gauntlet called the Castellans of the Rift. So that's quite interesting. I wonder if we see like a, a sub codex maybe with their rules in there. Also mentioned are Drakari pirates and a planet that is um, a Chaos Knight world that is being besieged by the forces of the Imperium. So that is a terrible thing that cannot happen. Um, so, so yeah, Harkin is trying to liberate it to bolster his forces. And obviously, I suspect that will tie in with the release of the Chaos Knights book as well. They tend to time these things quite well. So Not very often you have it where Imperium is uh, the attacker and Chaos is the defender. I like that. No, well, obviously, from the events of the Vigilist book, um, the, the Imperium forces are a little bit um, inspired. There was a moon that had, I think, had a bit of a radiation leak. But essentially, as you look up into the night sky, there's a halo in the sky. And I think that's bolstered all the Imperium forces into thinking, you know what, guys, maybe we can do this. So I think, obviously, they've got a bit of momentum. And maybe this new Space Marine chapter has, has kind of gone on the offensive into the rift. So, like you say, it's a bit of a it mixes up the, the, the format a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like it. Now, presumably, the bad guys win. Otherwise, uh, you know, Abaddon goes off licking his wounds and uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the universe goes on for a glorious 10,000 years. So what we often see in these books as well is teasers at the future as well. So I do wonder if something else that has been mentioned this week does appear in here. We shall see. Now, Blood Bowl fans, we, we've had a flurry of uh, Norse uh, news in the last couple of weeks and today Warcom showed off another star player by the name of Ivor Eriksson he looks a bit like Hulk Hogan I'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh, it's, it's a gorgeous model it's it looks so cool yeah Dave I know you're tempted to uh, start a Norse force yeah I am yeah I think this could be my team for the next Blood Bowl League actually uh, the Norse um because I really like the scale of the models, I really like the beer pigs, and these star players are fantastic. And I don't know if we've ever had, have we had a Blood Bowl team come out with three star players come out at the same time? Or uh, around the same time, I suppose. So, some, of, some of them have. I think that the newer ones have. I think on the older teams, they've been bringing out the models as and when. I think they've kind of aligned a lot of the releases now, so it all drops on the same weekend. Awesome. Now, 40k players will know that Adepticon... There was a certain faction that did a, a little bit better than all the other factions there. Um, Harlequins, mm. I think. Um, yeah, Harlequins are pretty good, aren't they, Jay? Well, Harlequins are pretty good. Void Weavers are really good. 
Yeah, it was well. There was a lot of armies which were pretty much just void weavers, weren't they? And star weavers. Um, I saw a I saw a screenshot of um, a, a game which was basically two pretty much identical Harkon armies fighting each other, and it was all I could see was star weavers. <laughs> <laughs> which is the which i mean hawkers don't have a lot of units but the the the, the star we've all void weave it one of the two um is like the uh, sort of venom size gunboat uh, it has a, a really nice uh prismatic cannon that you can equip on it with a couple of fire modes it's like a baby prism cannon uh, but when you when you spam in like 9 12 of these things which they can be taken in units of three i believe in the new codex um they're very very effective uh, weapons platforms yeah, I could imagine. So, in in kind of light of that, we are going to see a 40k balanced data slate come out in the near future that may nip those in the bud a little bit, and then also do a couple of changes that they've seen from the last couple of books. So, we've, I think we've said in this podcast there's been a few spikes in some of those armies that have come out recently, so it'll be good to see them sanded down a little bit and make them more uh, friendly for other players. Now, finally, in the news, well, this we never thought it'd happen. But on April Fool's Day, Games Workshop showed off a trailer that implied that, oh, yes, the squats would be coming back. Now, they set the Internet on fire. There was lots of speculation. There was lots of people complaining that how how dare Games Workshop play such a cruel joke on the loyal squat fans? Other people were like, is this real? Are they have they genuinely announced squats on uh, on April Fool's Day? And then the following day, they confirmed it. Yes, indeed. The League's Votan, the new uh, name for the squats, the the, the, the abhumans, have, um, yeah, they are coming back. A full army is on the way. Did anybody see this coming? Definitely not this soon in the year. No, it went right over my head. Now, (laughs) I've I've been a a devout follower of the squats, and it surprised me that Jay hasn't been as as fanatical about squats as I have been over the last few years. I like all things dwarfs. (laughs) And um, yeah, so, so yeah, I I, I suspected that we we saw a little teaser trailer the day before and I suspected that we're going to see something jokey announced and it'll be real and Games Workshop will win the internet. But even then, I didn't commit to it being squats. Obviously, when the trailer came out and it was a high production, you know, animated trailer of, of, of a squat explorer basically coming upon a derelict, I was like, yeah, this is genuine, 100% genuine. And then when they showed off the actual miniatures, it's so cool. It's kind of like, think an alien-style spacesuit. You can imagine a big like energy bubble over the head. Mm. You've got weapons that it kind of looks like a bolter, but a lot more high-tech. You've got just a different aesthetic to the whole model than, than any other Imperium looks a lot force. cleaner than the Imperial stuff. Yeah. Uh, they don't look like they've been... Um... They're treating the technology as sort of like uh, sacrosanct. They can't change it. These look like they've been uh, developing almost like what, you know, the Tau approach to technology. Yeah. And then you know what? There's some, there's some echoes of Tau technology in this as well. And you, in the main segment of the show, we'll talk about that a little bit. But, um, yeah, I I very much like this model. Now, you 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 were all up for a kind of heavy armoured iron breaker look. Now, obviously, this is a little bit different to that. But I take it you're very intrigued by these two then, Jay. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I love dwarfs. So I've got a big dwarf um, Age of Sigmar army. Um, I had a big dwarf fancy army, uh, dwarfs for Lord of the Rings, Blood Bowl. But I really like the sort of, like you say, the the, the grum role play, iron breaker type aesthetic. And this guy, the top half of him certainly looks uh, very armoured. 
Um, the bottom half, you can see the cloth and stuff. So I, I, I'm suspecting this is some kind of um, uh, your line infantry type type uh, mm. dwarf. Um, but it, yeah, he's really really cool. And it's so exciting to, when you know something new to to the Warhammer 40k universe. I remember when the Necrons were first released. Well first re-released the tau first appeared in warhammer 40k and just mixed things up it's, it's so cool to to see something completely new to i say completely new it's not completely new but you know a lot of people who play 40k this will be the first time they've seen a, a squat really so yeah now i quite like that they don't call themselves the squats as well squats was always a uh, derogatory name for them that the that the imperium came up with so these are the leagues of votan now, we don't know many details about them. And again, in the main segment, we'll talk a little bit. But I suspect this might be the fragments of squat society that have kind of banded together and are now kind of maybe encroaching back onto imperial territory. So, yeah, there's lots of potential for cool stuff. All we know is that there will be a full Warhammer 40,000 army for these. Because it could they could have just done, hey, these guys are cool. It's a mercenary force you can put in any imperial army. And that would have been really cool. The fact that we're getting to get a whole army of these means there's potential for lots of really cool stuff. And epic 40k fans will know the kind of cool stuff that we're getting. Now, obviously, for 40k, we had bikes. We had the the kind of the, the generic guys that we see here. We also saw the exosuits, which is your heavily armored guys. And I imagine that's probably what you'll gravitate towards, Jay. Big, heavy, chunky armor. Um, yeah. Now, in epic, we saw lots of war machines. We saw gyrocopters. We saw massive airships. Now, I wouldn't. The, the look of this reminds me of something that we've seen recently, and it is the Man of Iron from Blackstone Fortress. Now, could we see some abominable, abominable intelligence? Maybe see its return to the game. Some of that Dark Age stuff come with the squats. Especially if, if that sort of ties into the sort of you know where the the, the, the squats aren't averse to developing technology and using technology. They're not scared of it like the Imperium are. They don't revere it in that way. They wouldn't, obviously, the Tau, they use a lot of AI in their drones and things like that. So, yeah, that would be cool. Um, whether that's uh, whether the Imperium are correct to uh, mis- distrust uh, AI and things like that and outlaw it or not, we'll, we'll have to see, I guess. Well, that, that, that segues quite nicely into our next section where we find out a lot about the Dark Age of Technology and what happened to the squats. So following on from the end of that news segment, Matt had the great idea to bring class into session and give us a bit of a a backstory of of the squats, because I think it's safe to say Matt is, is, well, he's the biggest fan of the squats in this team. So who better to take us on this educational journey than Matt himself? So... Why don't you take the floor, Matt, and uh, we're all ears. Yeah, it surprised me because I've never really been a particular dwarf fan, but squats, I don't know. Maybe it's just the second edition stuff that gets me going. Who knows? But yeah, back in spring 1989, the Space Dwarves were released for Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader. Now, 40k was quite a different game than the one we have today. And the background was sometimes a little bit funky. Uh, they basically ported a load of Warhammer Fantasy races into the new system. So we had Space Elves and Space Orcs and even Space Dwarves, Jay. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, 40K was just a way of them uh, Games Workshop using the various sci-fi miniatures that Citadel had produced. Um, but it wasn't long until they had a law of their very own. 
So squat history is split into five distinct periods. And through that, we learn a little bit about their relationship with the Imperium of Man and a couple of things that we might get revealed in the new Leagues of Votan release. So cast your minds back 20,000 years before the current setting and we reach the age of founding. This is this is long before the Horus heresy in a time that's often referred to as the golden age of humanity. Uh, to others, it was also a time period when humanity was almost destroyed by machines driven by abominable intelligence. Yeah, that's fine. Nobody cares about that. The machines probably lose. I've seen that film. Um, and during this period, human technology advanced at an exponential rate. Warp travel and Geller fields were invented and humanity spread it across the stars. Uh, one group of humans traveled to the systems at the galactic core and they made a wealthy living trading food with terror in exchange for rare materials and ores that could only be found on those high gravity planets. It was quite a lucrative career for them. Uh, and that glorious time lasted for a few thousand years until the violent birth of the chaos god ruined everything. Mm. I blame the elves. <laughs> so, oh, oh, always ruining things. So the time period known as the Age of Isolation or the Age of Strife to the Imperium started with the fall of the Eldar and the birth of Slanesh. The new gods birthing spasms created a rift in reality that came to be known as the Eye of Terror and the universe was awash in the warp storms of its afterbirth. Generally speaking, a terrible time. Nothing good ever came of it, apart from a load of elves died. So, you know, give or take. <laughs> During the period, warp travel was impossible. And so, forced to fend for themselves, the settlers had to develop their own technology. Something heretical in, in Dave's, you know, tech priest mind. How dare you go and invent things yourself? That's, that's outrageous. Uh, but, but as part of the initial exploratory parties, the finest minds and scientists had been sent to form these colonies. So as such, they were able to keep developing and advancing technology while humanity was torn apart in wars against man-made machines that ultimately led to humanity fearing advances in technology and instead revering historical and safe tech from the past. And during this period, the settlers started to evolve over generations. The, the, the planets they'd settled on were, were, were deep within the galactic core and had a much higher uh, gravity than, than Terra. So they became shorter, they became hardier. You could say they became squat compared to Terrans. Hmm. Hmm. So eventually, the warp storms started subsiding long enough for these squats, or the kin, as they called themselves, to start trading with other races in what they called the Age of Trade. Uh, being distant from terror for thousands of years, they then developed their own culture, a form of ancestor worship in stark contrast to the Imperial Creed, where family was revered and the clan was always the most important thing. So obviously you're a fan of, 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 of dwarves in Warhammer Fantasy, very much that kind of thing where the, the family's key and the, and the, and the, the tribe itself and, and there's no, like, god you've got ancestor gods instead. ancestors yeah and the yeah. um the, the, like the throngs and the holds yeah exactly so the same kind of concept and obviously these guys have been shut off from humanity for thousands of years at this point so they made sure to be careful to place themselves as traders and remain fully neutral in all conflicts in order to maximize profit and in doing so they traded openly with all xenos races they worked with the Eldari to develop high-tech hydroponic technology, which allowed them to grow foodstuffs in zero gravity, in zero vacuum, in any climate, uh, to the point where 
They were the leading food producers within the galaxy. And with the orcs, they traded machines and weapons. The orcs were quite content to buy gear from them to go and blow people up with. Nothing ever goes bad at that. I'm sure that won't kick kiss them there on the behind later on in this story uh, and then from other young and mysterious races they bought technology and reverse engineered it so they could further advance their own technology so that might be why we see some kind of like tau looking elements in some of that gear that they've got in the new model that we've seen yeah. uh, sadly however this neutrality came to an end when an orc wire destroyed several squat systems I told you nothing bad would happen of giving orcs weapons. They're definitely not going to shoot the guy that just sold them the weapons, are they? But yeah. It's not a mistake you make twice. It's not a mistake you make twice. And unfortunately, uh, yeah, a lot of squat systems were destroyed due to an orc invasion. But it's fine. The squats had some allies that they'd worked with for thousands of years. So they turned to their Eldari trading partners and gone, oh, wonderful Eldar with your great technology and your armies and your aspect warriors and stuff. Come and help us, please. And the Eldar said... Yeah, well, see, you know what? We're not going to get involved in that. And that is like the um, oh, go on. It, it's like the scene from uh, The Hobbit where Thorin and uh, the the dwarfs run out of Erebor. Help us! And there, there's uh, Fandral standing on the ridge, and he just turns away. Exactly. Yeah, and this is exactly what happened. And that action itself then started a long-running feud between the Squats and the Eldar. The war of so, the beard. Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So with their core trade destroyed, the squats then dedicated themselves to war, developing more <laughs> and more powerful and destructive weaponry, such as mole mortars, termites, colossus and leviathan super heavy tank fortresses. Yes, that is part tank, part fortress with a massive siege gun. Uh, and where there's war, the Imperium generally gets involved. So the period known as the Age of the Imperium happened when humanity rediscovered this human offshoot during the later expansions of the Imperium of Man. So pledging themselves at the service of the Imperium, but demanding that they stay strictly independent with their own belief systems and technology. Now, that was a bit of a concern for the High Lords of Terror. Obviously, this independence should not be allowed, and their technology is heretical in the eyes of the Mechanicum of Mars. However, the High Lords of Terror also understood that this was a highly technologically advanced human race that would probably beat them in, a, in an outright war. <laughs> so they thought it was a justifiable, um, I guess, yeah, they'll turn a blind eye. And yes, you can, we will sanction this offshoot. You can exist as your own entity. And we definitely won't send the Inquisition and stuff to go and look into that further. If you slide so us is- the odd SDC every now and then. <laughs> this is this is post Great Crusade, Dan. Yeah, this is post Great Crusade. So obviously, during, during the whole heresy and everything, they've been happily trading with aliens and stuff, having oh, a yeah. okay. wild old time. And then, obviously, this this war with the orcs and the Eldar has, has scuppered them a bit. And then, post heresy, the you know humanity started spreading out again. They've come across the uh, the squat enclaves, and and you know there's. There's some genetic bloodline in. They were humans at one point in their history. So the Imperium decided to, OK, you've got your weird religions and you're definitely illegal technology, but you've got massive guns and massive siege engines and stuff. So, yeah, go on then. We'll let you keep them. Uh, so, yeah. So with that, the squats oft, often fought alongside the forces of the Imperium, fighting atop bikes and war machines, bringing their technological prowess to the front in numerous campaigns. It seemed like the squats had finally rejoined humanity and together they would be unstoppable. And then disaster struck. So details are vague about what happened. 
but the clearest reports are that a tendril of high fleet leviathan hit the squat homeworlds and consumed without mercy uh, the abhumans led a valiant defense of their worlds however they were no match for the previously unencountered tyranids you know the, the tyranids were a bit of a ghost story in this period of time you know the, the, you know, the, the, the planet Tyrion just disappeared off the face of the Earth and there's rumours of these alien creatures. And unfortunately, uh, the Squat Homeworld was one of the first places hit by the full power of Leviathan. Uh, and it's rumoured that the majority of the race was killed in the conflict. And that's what a lot of people thought going into the current age of the the Imperium now, as we've got the gal- galaxy torn asunder with the Cicatrix Maledictum. But there's still rumours abound. So squats have operated on Necromunda for, for, for years now. There's, they're the odd individuals tend to be bounty hunters and mercenaries, but they're, they're, they're clearly these abhumans that have come from, from other systems with, with different technology and stuff. And they themselves have talk of salvage operations by the so-called leagues of Votan, attempting to refine and recapture technology. The galaxy is a big place, so who knows what is out there? And that kind of leads us up to the current day now where they're a bit of a, a footnote in history. The, the, the squats have, have fought alongside the Imperium for a bit and then got devoured by the Tyranids. And now it looks like some of them are still alive. In the trailer, we see it looks like an exploratory force scouting out a space hawk and looking for gear and stuff. And these are these are researchers and scientists in a time where even taking apart a PC would be a you know a punishable offence where you could get burnt at the stake. I mean, Jay, with your job of tinkering with IT stuff, you'd be like public enemy number one in the Imperium. Oh, yeah, so the, I'd be uh, servitored straight away. This is it. So the fact that these guys are going around and actively looking for technology and, and, and alien technology at that and, and investigating it. So it just leads us to see what we might see for the, 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 the League of OTAN range. So I imagine we'll probably see... And again, this is complete speculation. We don't know anything. We were surprised as you guys when we saw this announced on uh, on April Fool's Day. But I suspect we'll probably see a kill team box. That seems like a good entry point. If that, um, that kit that we've seen the model of, it wouldn't surprise me if it builds like a standard troops choice plus an elite choice. And with the combination of all those parts, you could get a kill team together fighting I, I, I want to say a historic enemy. So Tyranids, new gene stealers, maybe new Lictor, something funky like that. I think that'd be a really nice entry point for the squats before then following up a couple of months later with an army launch box. And like with the Luminith, it could be that we see a codex releasing a load of models followed a year later by another release and some more models to kind of expand the range. We've talked about a few things, you know, if we've got a, a combo plastic kit that does a, a special and a standard choice, presumably we'll see exosuits as well. So these were the squat equivalent of Terminators. And I can really picture a kind of like Iron Warrior kind of um, Iron Breaker, Iron Breaker, sorry, aesthetic. Yeah. So big armor plates, maybe a shooty variant and a close combat variant. Obviously, we'll see a few different characters again, something like Tech Priest, but more kind of hands-on and, and dabbling with technology obviously bikes and trikes were a big part of squat imagery so you can guarantee they'll get some kind of bike unit where it gets really exciting is all the stuff that we saw in epic 40k so you saw massive doomsday cannons you had the leviathan and colossus big wheeled fortresses basically uh, the gyrocopters the airships the mole mortars all stuff like that 
I think it'd give a really fun release that might have a bit of a different play style to Imperial Guard or Space Marines as well. Um, I mean, is there anything that, from our little walk down memory lane, is there anything that you guys would like to see based on what we know about the squads? I'd like to see, like you say, it's going to be really cool. Where have they been for the last 10,000 years? How are they going to integrate this race back into the Warhammer 40k setting? With the Tau, of course, there was some really cool background where there was an Imperial Explorator fleet that sort of surveyed the Tau homeworld. And there was a few, you know, cavemen type Tau on there with rudimentary spears and bows and things. And they just marked it as like, yeah, we'll, we'll eradicate that race and populate that planet. That Explorator ship got lost coming back to Earth. And then a few thousand years later, when the Imperium arrived back at Tau again, the homeworld, there was a technologically advanced race waiting for them. Um, so they did a really, really cool job, I think, of, of bringing the Tau, creating a backstory for the Tau to integrate them t- with the rest of the 40K setting. Likewise with the Necrons and the Necrons, you know, all that, the, the war in heaven, the, 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 the old ones, they have all gone to sleep dormant and then they've, they've come back. It's going to be really, really cool, I think, to, to find out what these guys have been doing for the last, well, what, 10,000 years, really? Um, yeah. So, so that's going to be really interesting. Um, yeah, I, and obviously, I, I, I hope we kind of go into the the robot side of things because obviously these guys left before the Dark Age of Technology. So, while humanity was fighting robots and was nearly wiped out, these guys were potentially happily building new robots and AI and stuff. And I'd kind of like to see the golem element of like dwarves come with big robots and stuff with advanced death lasers and you know. To make cool up, yeah, like you know, that's it. And to to reach like the light switches and things for them. Exactly, yeah, they're not very tall, are they? So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I think as well from a universe politics point of view, it'd be interesting to have a an uneasy alliance in there where they're, they're clearly aligned with the Imperium, but they are a offshoot of humanity, and strictly speaking, they should just be virus bombed off the face of the earth. The fact that the Imperium has to kind of make this compromise and work with them, even though it's against everything they believe in, will add a few kind of twists to the lore as well, I think. Yeah, and it, it will be cool to see, like you say, their relationship with the Imperium. Now, Gulliman is back. You know, I can say, you know, uh, prior to Gulliman being resurrected, yeah, I think I think the, the Imperium, they would just unleash their Black Templars, their sisters of battle, just to exterminate this unpure race. But but now Gulliman's back. He's a bit more of a pragmatist. He obviously remembers the golden days of humanity. He, he he still has the emperor's sort of dream alive inside of him. He knows what mankind should have aspired to. And I don't think he'd look as negatively on the squats and what they've done and how they've survived and how they've potentially prospered and developed technology. And he might be, you know, almost like an ambassador for the rest of the Imperium saying, no, look, we can't be inward facing anymore. We've got to embrace, you know, peoples like the, 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 these new space dwarfs. Um, it's the future for humanity to work with, you know, like-minded species out there, or maybe not. Maybe the grim dark of the 40k setting and the Imperium, the Imperial cults will uh, take over. Well, see, while, while doing the research for this section, the, the the bit about them developing these like food production systems with the Eldar, that is definitely something Gulliman would want on the other side of the Great Rift to keep yeah. those territories kind of supplied. But whether, like you say, whether the 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 Council of Terror would agree with him. I think there's going to be a bit of conflict there, which would be interesting to see. 
Also, as well, um, it, it, how, how heavily are, are they going to lean on the existing background for Dwarfs in Fantasy? So Dwarfs in Fantasy, they're not very good magic users, but they have very good magic defences. Mm. Will these new squats have some defence and, or, you know, in, inherent ability to sort of resist the uh, powers of chaos? And obviously that, if, if, if so, if they have like the equivalent of Rune Priests and things, that's obviously going to be a very powerful weapon in the war against chaos as well. Well, to add a further wrinkle in that, there is law precedent for chaos squats as well. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the squats coming out, followed by chaos dwarfs for Age of Sigma, followed by chaos squats for 40k? That's it. I think that, that, that's, the, that's the sign of the apocalypse, isn't it? There's nothing like the classic Thunderhawk, and then that's it. That's game happening. over. <laughs> so, yeah, lots, lots of exciting times coming, I think. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be very happy with this. I mean, a lot of younger players probably see the squats of a, of a meme. I think they have been for like the last 20 years, haven't they? But there is some really interesting lore that I think will have massive repercussions on the current game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. they can be really clever about it. I mean, and, and what's Votan? Is Votan the name of a homeworld? Is it the name of their race? Is it is it the name of their god? Yeah, I mean, it could even be like a trade alliance and they've obviously the fragments of these different tribes and they've come together and they're trying to rebuild their civilization. I don't know, there's lots of cool stuff they can do. Yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to it. And I mean... All that sounds really, really cool, but I just want to see the models, man. Uh, I just can't wait to see what the rest of the range looks like with the one model that we've seen so far. Excellent. Thanks for that, Matt. That was uh, that was a really cool segment. Uh, we're going to take a slight change of pace, though, with our next segment. Um, we are going to go back in time. We're going to go back to the Horus Heresy, and we're going to pick out some of our favourite models. So we'll be right back. So it's time for this week's top three. And for this week's top three, we're going to be picking out our top three Horus Heresy models. So, I mean, this this is a lot of models to choose from over on Forge World. Um, and I say this every week, and I do mean it. This was a very hard one to pick. So we're going to go around this virtual table, as Matt likes to refer, for refer to it as and uh, pick our top three models. So we're going to do this in the reverse order of the hobby updates. So we're actually going to start with you, Matt. What are your top three heresy models? Well, this was hard. This was very, very hard because there's a lot of amazing Horus Heresy models. And hopefully, I think there's enough for us all to have a different top three here. So let's see how this plays out. But my number three, and I did memorize how to pronounce this back when I did the unboxing video, but it's been a while. I think you pronounce it... Uh, Chin Chin Sha, the uh, uh. White Scars character with the kind of like Oni face mask and the samurai style armor. He is just so, so cool. I love I, the um, White Scars range. It's brilliant. Every single model in the White Scars range, I think, is great. And it, what's really, really surprising about the White Scars is like they've got some of the best looking Terminator models, I think. And this guy is wearing Terminator armor, isn't he? He is. He's one of the few White Scars, White Scars that actually favours Terminator armor. Now, obviously, he's Terminator armor with a bit, a few flourishes, like the kind of armoured plates, very reminiscent of kind of samurai yeah, culture. And yeah, just just such a nice model. I, um, I I bought this as soon as I went on pre-order and painted it up straight away. Um, I, I do have plans to do a White Scars force at some point, which might surprise some regular listeners because, you know, I'm the chaos guy, aren't I? But, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a beautiful model. I thoroughly recommend painting it up. 
even if you don't like play just as a display piece because it's it's really really nice so my second choice i'm cheating a little bit because technically it hasn't been released yet but mm. he had to make the list because it's a big old demon isn't it cabanda mm-hmm. he's uh he's a bit of a beast isn't he now I still stand by the point. I think he's smaller than the Exalted Bloodthirster. But as we've said on the podcast before, I think that will make him more usable in games because those yeah. big Forge World Greater Demons are a little bit unwieldy in a game. Um, mm. And I wrote a demon list the other day where I think I could fit Cabanda, three Bloodthirsters, an Exalted Bloodthirster, and some like some of the demon brutes who'd look a bit bloodthirstery. Basically, I'd want to get as many bloodthirsts in the list as I could. And he looks amazing the way the kind of wings are swept back. In some of the, the images that Games Witch were put out, his pose looks a little bit unnatural. But if you see the 360 uh, video they've done of him, he's kind of like leaning forward as if he's just like landed and his wings swept back. It looks really cool. on the He's just been kicked onto his face by Sanguinius, actually, Matt. To be fair, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping, I, really, I, I don't think it will. I'm really hoping this comes out before the Heresy box. I've got a feeling that this might drop alongside or just after the Heresy box. Um, but if he comes out beforehand, I will be putting together a Ruined Storm Demon Force to throw at Jay's Imperial Fists, basically. And finally, it, it had to be the big dog, didn't it? Horus, the Warmaster, is such an iconic character, such an amazing model. This is him at the height of his... He's just been made the Warmaster all his majesty and glory and his kind of like handsome face that they refer to many times in the series. You see that in here. This is him before he slowly over the course of the war gets consumed by chaos where at the, at the very end of it, you know, Abaddon's looking at him in disgust because he's essentially given up his body to the demons as needs. There's, there's not much of Horus left at the end. And I hope that we see a secondary model to represent him as we see him in that famous Forest versus the Emperor artwork where he's bloated and ugly and hideous and he's, he's, he's only a kind of a shell of the former Warmaster that he was. Um, the current model absolutely captures him at the height of his of his, his glory and it is such a fun model to paint. It's one of the I think it's one of my favourite models I've ever painted Horus and I'd happily paint another one tomorrow. Well, I mean, they've done all the Primarchs now. Uh, Jakati Khan obviously has a model now. Um, there's only a few sort of key characters left from the Heresy that don't have models. Um, the Sigilite, the Emperor, not very many others. So obviously, you know, I think I think a fully devoted to the Chaos Guards Horus at the peak of the, the siege would be a really big seller. And they could easily go back, couldn't they? And, and you know, with a new profile as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll see that. Obviously, you know, a lot of the a lot of the Primarchs, certainly on the traitor side, go through a few uh, physical changes as yeah. well, let's say. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and we've got like the Plastic Mortarian. Uh, we've got the Plastic Magnus. We don't yet have uh, a Fulgrim or an Angron sort of demon Primarchs version of them. But even the Primarchs like Perturabo, uh, Lorgar as well, they've all achieved demonhood now. Whether they did at the time of the Heresy or not, I'm not so sure. Maybe not. So maybe Fulgrim and Angron would certainly be be good candidates for that sort of revision of the sculpts. And, and like you say, Horus, I think you, you're dead, dead on there. They'd be great to see those models, Matt. 
as long as they don't do a as long as they don't see, do a peak peak siege sanguineous model. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, over to you, Jay. Okay. Right. Well, so my number three choice is the humble contemptor dreadnought. I remember when this model was first released, the resin version, not the plastic one that came later, the first resin contemptor dreadnought. So it had none of the icon, uh, legionary, uh, sorry, legion iconography on it. You couldn't get like an ultramarines contemptor. It was just a plain contemptor dreadnought. Um, and obviously up until that point, we, we, you know, we didn't have any Leviathans. We didn't have any uh, redemptor dreadnoughts for the primary range. All we had up until that point were the old box dreadnoughts, you know, the small ones now, slightly bigger than a Gravis Marine, really. Mm. Um, Okay, Bordrill did a few unique sort of sculpts for the dreadnought. There was a really cool Grey Knight dreadnought, if you remember, with a Psy Cannon Mm. and a a Glaive. Um, I believe there was a really, really smart-looking Black Templars dreadnought that Forgeworld did as well um, before they started doing all the heresy stuff. But the Contemptor uh, was something different, you know. It, It looked a bit more sleeker more high tech a lot more brutal taller um and it was very very poseable you could get some really really cool sort of charging poses standing you know bracing itself with his big heavy carries assault uh cannon uh, the missile launcher on top the different uh power fist with the uh weapon built into it really really poseable for year you know you at, at this time we were just used to to building the plastic dreadnoughts which really you could put one leg a little bit further forward than the other leg and you could twist the torso a little bit but that was it you couldn't really do anything else but these contempted dreadnoughts were i really really like them they're still one of my favorite heresy units even to this day and and now we're sport for choice because obviously you've got you know, I'm looking in front of me here. I've got my Imperial Fist Contemptor Dreadnought. There's Ultramarines Contemptor Dreadnoughts. The Traitors have got their own Contemptor Dreadnoughts. The Blood Angels have probably got the best Contemptor Dreadnought of all because it's got like a Saturn V rocket strapped to its back. <laughs> um, and I've, 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 and like I say, that, that posability of these Contemptor Dreadnoughts. My Blood Angels one here, if I just grab him off the shelf, I'm able. He, he basically looks like he's he's either just about to take off like Iron Man, and there was no way you could do anything like that with um, with a um, a plastic box dreadnought back in the day. So that's my number three choice, uh, the Contemptor, and it's just improved. And and I think if rumours are to be believed, I think there's a new plastic Contemptor coming in in the new box. I think we might have, have seen some... There have been some... whispers of that, and obviously the, the Contemptor and all the weapons are, are last chance to buy as well on Forgeworld at the minute. Yeah, so so that's great. I, to me, I, when I think heresy, I think contempt of dreadnoughts. And obviously, uh, you know, other people might have other views on different dreadnoughts that have come out, but there's lots of different variations of the dreadnought and heresy, but that's my favourite. Um, my second choice is a model which is a bit Marmite, I think, with with um, with um, hobbyists, and that is uh, Constantin Valdor. Um, so I love this model. As soon as I saw this model previewed, I had to pick it up and buy it. I'm a big Adeptus Custodes and Legio Custodes fan anyway, and I really like Valdor, um, but I really, really like this model. Um, I, I spent a long time painting this guy, trying to make the gold armor look really, really sort of antique, and, um, and, and because obviously this 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 armor that he's wearing, it, 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 it's like the the uh, economic output of of a of a number of worlds in the Imperium. Uh, that, that much resources poured into making it, and it's a really, really impressive model in an impressive range of models. So you know, each Adeptus Custodian you know is the equivalent of like a hq choice from another army and that's represented not just in the rules but also in their sort of war gear that the the lavish armor they wear the really really high quality weapons they wield and uh constantin valdo just t- takes that to a different level altogether um and he's got some really really nice details on him so he's got this like animal pelt across his um uh, across his back he's got this really cool sort of like raveny type thing on his shoulder um plate and he's holding this 
I, I always imagine it to be like some some like um, uh, the word of the emperor, some 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 scroll with some death warrant for some traitor or something that he's holding in this in this scroll that he brings to battle with him. Um, really really cool model. Um, but of course the number one choice for me has to be a Primarch and it has to be Sanguinius. Um, mm-hmm. And this was another model where I actually I picked this guy up on eBay. So I think this model was released at a Horus Heresy open day or Horus Heresy event. Um, and at the time he came with a sort of limited edition um, scenic base where he's uh, there's like a, a demon of the ruin storm on the base. And you can sort of build Sanguinius so that he's attached to this demon. Um, and I picked that up off eBay. Off Someone obviously bought it at the event and I, I bought it the day after on eBay. Um I love this model. It's so cool. He comes with a, a couple of different weapon options, obviously, so you can have him with the the, the, the blade in Carmine or the spear of Telesto, which is like an iconic sanguineous weapon. Um, and I mean, all of the Primark models are really, really good, to be fair. Um, but this one, this one's my favourite, I think. Yeah, he's, he's a very superb and very pretty, should we say very pretty looking Primark, uh, is all sanguineous. Uh, a very strong top three. I'm I'm also <clears throat> a big fan of the um, the contemptible. It didn't quite make my uh, my top three. Um, but before we get to mine, there is Andy. So Andy, let's hear your top three. Um, so I'm not that well versed in Horus Heresy units, but not there yet. has not, not yet. yet. <laughs> but there's definitely been some that have jumped out to me over the years and. When I when I was writing this list, the first choice was the was an automatic one, but the other two are kind of mix and match. Uh, my third choice though is the Night Lords Con. I'm going to massacre this Contacar Terminator Elite. Ooh, they look cool. Because these were a recent model, weren't they? I think not. They were, not too yeah. old. These yeah. ones. Yeah, these ones are fairly recent. But when you look at them, they just scream Night Lords. And for me, during the heresy, you know, looking at the interesting thing about the heresy for me is obviously you get to learn about the different legions. And, you know, I I know from 40k that the Night Lords are all about terror tactics and terror warfare. And, you know, they they can decimate a system without really engaging in full scale warfare. But of course, every now and again, you do have to get your hands dirty. And looking at these guys, you know, they're, they're just the epitome of everything Night Lord. You know, they've got, you know, guts on them. They've got flayed skin. They've got that terror mask look to them. You know, they, they have got, a cool weapon, don't they, as well? Yeah, they have like um, almost like a chain axe sort of thing. Get them up on, on Forge World now and have a look. Yeah, they they look absolutely fantastic. And like I said, they, they really encapsulate what the Night Hordes night lords look like um so for me when i saw these i was i was very tempted to start some night lords and when we were talking about uh, legions and stuff the only reason that these guys got beaten out by the iron warriors is because i've been wanting to do iron warriors for a lot longer so they were my number well they were my third choice my second choice however was another one of my favorite legions which was word bearers now when you think of word bearers you think of demons you think of possession you think of possessed so naturally of course the word bearers legion gal vorback 
which is a set of possessed and uh, space marines who have fully given their bodies to demons and the demons are bursting out of their armor and you know they just want to be freed and looking at them you know they they i i like the idea of them belonging to any of the traitor legions but word bearers are the ones who first gave themselves over to the demons you know they they really embraced it and looking at them for me again if i was going to do a word bearer army i'd you know two units of those straight away would be going in every single list because they look so word berry re um so that's my my second choice my first choice like you guys i've gone for a primarch and that has to be the best primarch of them all and that is perturabo (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i i mean even even his base which i kind of look at and i'm like i don't know if i'd want him on a, a, a scenic base I, I like the idea of having him tie in with the rest of our army and obviously one of the best ways to do that with your miniatures is with the bases um but apart from that i look at perter and i think to myself you know he is uh, he, he's so cool you know he's built like a tank you know he looks almost like a a, a super powered terminator and for me, Terminators are sort of like one of my favourite units. And looking at the Horus Heresy, you know, there's so many cool Terminator variants. You know, the um, the Emperor's Children Terminators with those big glaives almost made my list as well. Um, but yeah, Perturabo looking awesome as he is was my first choice. I mean, I'm an Imperial Fist fan, but I do like the Perturabo model. I like as well, he's got that hand cannon, which I think is really, really cool. And also he has an option for the, um, doesn't Fulgrim gift him gift him the hammer from Ferris Manus? I can't remember what it's called now. But he can take that hammer as well, can't he? So you've got a yeah. couple of different loadouts for him as well. And I don't know about Perturabo, but I know certainly the other Primarchs. So I've got, um, I built the um, Sanguinius, I built the Lion, and I've also built um, Lehman Russ. They do come on big scenic bases, but they're built in such a way where you can sort of the base is built around the regular gaming base. So on your shelf, you can have them sitting on that big base, but then you can pull it apart and have them on their gaming base as well. I don't know if a Perturabo is the same as that. Yeah, I believe all of the Primarchs come out. I think they're, they're on like Terminator sized bases for actually playing the game. But if you don't stick all the pieces down, you can easily make it so it's interchangeable with the display base. And the display bases look so nice as well. Mm. yeah they really do <clears throat> I am I actually really like this model as well Andy and I very very nearly did an I Warriors Force even when you revealed that that was going to be your heresy army I was like kind of still want to do an I Warriors army myself um, but I pledged my allegiance to the loyalists which um, yeah I think was the right right call to make um, Leeds is quite nicely into my top three Um Kind of similar to Jay, really, in that my, my third choice, I'm going for a Dreadnought as well, but a different kind of Dreadnought. This is a Dreadnought I've had in my eye, maybe adding to my Death Watch at some point, um, but it looks like I might be getting one for Heresy first, and that is the Leviathan Dreadnought. Um, this thing just looks like, I mean, it's cool to see Dreadnought, and it, it's quite easy to see why it's very stucky. It's 
it just looks brutal. It looks like if it's charging towards you, just nothing is going to stop that. Um, and I also love all the different, like, chunky weapon options. Um, so I'm drawn to stuff like the grab bombard cannon, the siege drills. Um, he's just an absolute beast. He's an absolute unit. Um, I can't wait to to get one. And, and he's on last... He, the, the basic one's gone last chance to buy on Forge World, which I think, which I think Matt covered last week or the week before. Yeah, no, um, see, he might, not, he might not come in the first wave, but that's a good sign that at some point in the fairly near future, we might see a plastic one. Yeah, so I, I really hope so, because I'd love to pick one up for, for my Dark Angels and also down the line, you know, I, I would like to pick one up for my Death Watch. I know the uh, the Dark Angels do have a Legion a Legion version of the uh, Leviathan Dreadnought with all the detailing on. Um, they are they are massive sort of like walking tanks. They're really really cool stat line as well. Really really tough to bring down. I also like the background behind the Leviathan Dreadnought because I believe this was a Dreadnought that the Emperor had a hand in developing and not the Mechanicum, um, oh. which is the rest of the Dreadnoughts obviously were designed on on Mars. But I believe the Emperor kept this one a bit secret from Mars. Um, but he's it does, got a habit of that, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, it does um, take a heavy toll on the uh, Space Marine that's been interred, the Legionnaire that's been interred inside, though. Uh, they tend to burn out. That's, that's not surprising. The thing must be pretty clunky to, to, to drive, as it were. Um, so that's my third choice. We're going to keep it mechanical with my second choice. Um, and this is something that I, I I mean, you guys will have to tell me. I think there's ways I can get one of these in a Dark Angels army. Um, hopefully you guys can confirm. Um, but I've always, always, always loved the Mechanicum Thanatar Siege Automator um, yeah. with the massive, almost like a, uh, what's it called? Like a, a massive cannon on its shoulder with like a huge heavy bolter looking thing on his arm. What an incredible robot this is. Well, good news, Dave, because any 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 faction can have an allied detachment from any allied faction. And good job, the Mechanicum is on the same side as the Dark Angels, so you could <laughs> take an allied detachment, a small detachment, but enough to fit in that big guy, a tech priest, and I don't know, a unit of robots or something. Am I am I right in thinking that there's a HQ choice you can take which unlocks some automator? There's there's, there's a whole faction that unlocks stuff as uh, Battleline, the, the, the Legio Cybernetica. Okay. The robot yep. dudes. There is a there is a a, a a console that you can take for the Space Marines, Dave. It's not the um, Tech um, Marine. It's a different one. He has like a Cortex controller, and I know he can definitely take some of the Castfalax battle automa- automator because I used to do that in my Blood Angels back in the day. I have two of them walking up the board with uh, with one of these um, Space Marine consoles. Uh, I'm not sure whether you can take the he can control the Fanatar Siege Automator or not. You might have to do what Matt said there and take an Allied detachment of Mechanicum. Um, right. But the Dark Angels do have access to some. I Matt shared this the other day. I think a really really cool uh, unit. The um, I can't think what it's called now, but it's basically some like uh, um, uh, abominable AI. That yeah, the Dark Angels in fact, can unleash. this is a good callback to early in the show. You know that bit in the story where a humanity was wiped out by robots? Yeah, the Dark Angel can take one of them robots. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and this would be a good base as a conversion for it, Dave. Okay, okay. Um, so well, there you go. Maybe that maybe that's my route to get him one. Um, but he he was my uh, he was my second choice. Um, 
That leads me to our top choice. And um, I know none of us discussed our top threes um, prior, but I had a feeling everybody was going to go for a Primark. You know, I almost I almost kind of focused my top three towards the smaller kind of models, like the um, Deathwing Companions um, and, and stuff like that. But no, nah, this is top three favourite heresy models. So I had to have a Primark at number one. And my number one Primark, this was a very tough call, but my number one Primark was Lionel Johnson. While you've got like a tank looking Primark with Potavo, you've got a pretty looking Primark with Sanguinius. You've then got the very knightly essence of Lionel Johnson. Um, he's just an absolutely superb model that wouldn't look out of place storming some castle in some medieval times. Yeah. Um, but instead he's, he's, he's romping around... Um, the, romping the, the, around the, 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 the lines the, the have been romping around well maybe that's the <laughs> wrong choice of words actually but um yeah he's he's an absolutely superb model and, and jay you've you you've got one of these and i painted superbly i think you'll agree that he's got to be up there and you're kind of top three primarks he's, uh, he's brilliant and he also comes with a lot of different options so you've got like you say you were talking about like the knight he has a very knightly bretonian looking helm that you can put on him which is great but the sculptor's done such a great job of sculpting the lion's face that it's a shame to put the helmet on him. So I left him with the with the face. Uh, he also comes with two weapon options. So you've got the the wolf blade, I think it's called, which is a big massive chainsaw. But of course, the best looking option is the lion sword, the Ned Stark two hander. Um, he does look a bit like Ned Stark actually looking at him. In fact, I think <laughs> Ned Stark to play the lion in any uh, not Ned Stark, Sean Bean <laughs> to play the lion in any uh, horror heresy film they do. Uh, he's a good choice, Dave. I think, I mean, all of the Primarchs are very, very nice, but I think some of the later ones, the Lion, Jakati Khan, are really, mm. really good. I mean, you compare mm. them to the early ones, I think you'd agree, Matt, Fulgrim sort of pales a bit in comparison, I think. To... Yeah, it, I, I, Fulgrim's a funny one because, again, he's meant to be quite beautiful, but he's got like an angry screaming face. And I think originally he was sculpted with a more kind of like serene face, but then they decided to make him a a diorama kind of fight, fight, fighting against um, Ferris Manus. Uh, so obviously they had to give him a bit more aggressive face to fight him. So uh, he's another Primark that I'd like to see a new revision of. I mean, I guess you could sort of, you could, you could um, uh, try and find a helm for Fulgrim, like a Phoenician helm that you could put on him, mm. maybe. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Lots of purple and wings, I feel. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he he capped my um my my top three. I think a worthy a very worthy uh, winner of my uh, of my top three. Um, we've all covered different models there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the community have decided to go for um as their top three choices. And you know what? We're gonna find out next. Which Horace Heresy models tick your boxes? We're going to start over on Facebook with Dylan, who has gone for Ralderan. I believe he's the Blood Angel, isn't he? Um, oh, Jay. yeah, Ralderan, he's the first captain of the Blood Angels. He's like your Sigismund Abaddon type equivalent for the Blood Angels. A really nice model, actually, yeah. Just doesn't have a jetpack. I mean, he doesn't have a jump pack, I don't think, in the in the, in the the books either. Um, but I, I don't know. Whenever I think of a Blood Angel, I always think of a jump pack. <laughs> but he's nice. He's got a really cool sword. He's sort of wiping traitor blood off it. Yeah. <laughs> a bit like traitor hell. Blood, that's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. His, a, second, his oh, second choice, his second choice is um, 
one of my top top five Primarchs, I think, or maybe even top three Primarchs, uh, and that's Alpharius, uh, a superb model, that one. Um, but top of the pile for him is Horus himself. Hiran goes... The Warmaster. Mm. Yeah. Um, Hiran, he goes for Conrad Kurz um, for his third choice, with Vulcan in second, who, again, is... I very, very, very nearly went Salamanders. Um, I really like the Vulcan model. I really like the hammer he's got and stuff uh, and his armour. It's very, very cool. Um, and topping his list is Sanguinius, Jay. Uh, James. Yeah, James has gone for Cabander in third choice. I know he's not out yet, but Cabander has to get a shout out. This is what I read earlier. I didn't know Matt was going to include him on his top three, but I did mention that. I thought he was going to make an appearance at least once. And um, keeping it demons, his second choice is the Runestorm Demon Brutes. Ooh, yeah. If they were cheaper, I'd use them as Demon Princes. And his top choice uh, is the Iron Circle. Love these models. Yeah, I mean, Finishing I, these guys are great. The Domitar engines aren't they with the big hammers and mm. slab shields? They're really cool to read about in the uh, in the books as well. Yeah, very very cool. Uh, finishing off on Facebook, we've got Josh. Uh, he's also gone for the Leviathan Dreadnought in third place, especially the Night Lords one with half a guy chained to it. <laughs> he's gone for Fafnir Ran, which was the new plastic one, which I, I well, it's a Horus Heresy model, so that's a it's a really good show. Um, when we were um, there was part of me, Jay. I don't know if I ever admitted this, but I would nearly suggested to you that I also build an Imperial Fist army. Um, by yeah and i was gonna get this guy if i could still i think he's, he might have sold out everywhere now um but i really like this uh this model but in the end i uh, changed my mind as i as i do a lot um <laughs> and his top choice is corvus corax that's the raven guard um primark uh very cool uh matt moving over to you and twitter well, over on Twitter. Now, Fabius Fulgrim's got three, but I've got a bone to pick with Fabius Fulgrim. Well, we'll, we'll see. Number three, he's got Horus, the Master. Good shout. Number two, the Sisters of Silence submarine-looking thing. The Caron Acquisitor. This nearly made my list as well. Ace vehicle. Uh, and number one, Alpharius. Where's 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 Eidolon? Where's where's Fulgrim? It's an going to be happy, mate. Uh, G-Ambulance Service. Number three, the Destroyer Squad. Numbers are mm. two, the Sons of Horus Command, a.k.a. Old Malagurst. So this is the, uh, the the character formerly known as Malagurst before they released the new Malagurst model. Really ace standard bearer. Uh, and the Spartan Assault Tank. Immortan Joe says the Xiphon Interceptor. Beautiful aircraft. I want one. Uh, Servitar, the Night Lord's first captain. And number one, the Acastus Knight Porphyrian. Mm. I love this knight so I much. love this knight. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, James Turner says this is a tough one, but the top three would be number three, the Solar Auxiliary Velataris, the Mechanicum Magos Dominus, and the Lion. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, um, Solar Auxiliary and Mechanicum that could have easily been on my list. There's so many cool mm-hmm. models there. Wild West Wargaming also says this is a tough one. Sanguinius is awesome. But I also like the simple glory of Lorgar. But my favourite command, my favourite mini is Lord Commander Eidolon. Excellent choice. JP <laughs> Riley ninety four says Fulgrim, Jagati Khan, and Lionel Johnson. I love the prime marks in these three are my favourite. Uh, and then finally, Stife minis says Fulgrim, the Lion, and the Khan. Yeah, Ooh. some excellent choices there. 
some a lot of love for the Primarchs, and and quite rightly, I mean, they are absolutely superb kits, all of them, and um, even even the really old ones. Uh, I think Angron was the first, wasn't he? Was he the Angron first? was the first one. Yep. So when Betrayal came out, Angron was the first resin Primarch, and I was there. At the open, I was there the day Horus Lee the Emperor and <laughs> bought my um, my Angron. Yeah, that's a long time ago now. I think what's so good about about the Horus Heresy is these characters. Obviously, we've been reading about them. I mean, when did the first Horus Heresy novel come out? Was it 12, 10, 15 years ago? I was oh. I was living in Crawley when they came out. I remember reading them uh, on the train. It's yeah, it's 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 pushing twenty years now. Twenty yeah. And so we've read so much about these different characters and that their backgrounds have been fleshed out. And I think you just have that attachment, don't you, to particular legions and particular characters. Um, It's like the whole package, isn't it, of why you you Mm. like that model and and that army. Mm. Really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, That leads me, Matt, to ask the question, what would be next week's top three? Well, this week we've been talking about abhumans, and next week we've got horrific space aliens on the way. So, I want to know your top three non-human creatures in the 41st millennium. So, you can get your choices in uh, via our social media channels over on Facebook and Twitter. We will be putting out the question um, probably on the Sunday or Monday before we record uh, so that you can reply and get your choices in and we'll read as many as we can on next week's show and that i believe brings us to the end of another week's uh, podcast offering guys it's been a fun one it has been i i am desperate to paint some heresy now it's very exciting <laughs> i need to get some plastic marines don't i that might have to be my job this week um until next week have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon bye bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews.